I'm Halima Atta, and welcome back to another episode of A Little Perspective. So I'm really, really glad to be back recording episodes. I know I've been saying that at the beginning of like every episode lately, but I've been so stressed, like genuinely with school. It's been really overwhelming. So it's been kind of challenging lately to record consistently and to come up with ideas because that's another thing. I've been suffering from a very intense case of writer's block. It's been hard for me to come up with intriguing topics completely on my own. So I'm really thankful for all of you who've sent me episode suggestions. I really appreciate them so much. So that really just explains why I took a break last week. And I've kind of, I just want to be like really transparent with my progress with this show and everything. I never really display like my failures when it, when it comes to like reaching out to guests and stuff like that. I've had a really hard time lately trying to get people on my show, like whether it's not getting responses or people not being able to make episodes with me. It's been kind of difficult lately, but luckily everything's coming together. So I'm really excited to continue making content for you all. And I have some really cool things planned. Something I think about a lot is convenience. For example, I start my day by getting out of my bed, leaving my room, going to the bathroom, brushing my teeth, taking out my retainers, blah, blah, blah. And I end up at my desk, conveniently placed like two feet away from my bed and start online school. Eventually, when the day is done, when the school day is finished, I walk down the stairs. They're structured conveniently with a little spiral so I don't walk too fast and fall on my face. See, convenience is a recurring theme here. It's found all throughout my daily routine. And perhaps more importantly, it brings me a sense of comfort because it's familiar. I do it every day. Conversely, this isn't a routine in which every human being is accustomed to. For a select group of people with disabilities, physical disabilities specifically, stairs aren't an optimal mode of getting around conveniently, something which is convenient for me, and it's observed in my daily routine. But that isn't to characterize all people with physical disabilities as helpless, vulnerable, people we should pity constantly. Rather, it's to acknowledge the relationship between elements of routine that's convenient to me and the accessibility of them to those with disabilities. This brings me to the focal point of this episode, the characterization of those who are disabled as a helpless population. A primary aspect of ableism, this narrative can be responsible for inaccessibility, leading to the daily routines and lifestyles of those with disabilities becoming just that more inconvenient, a situation opposite of those without disabilities, specifically physical in this example. So, what is ableism? And more importantly, how does that relate to inclusivity for those with disabilities? Continue listening to learn all about it. Before I delve into the definition of ableism, it's important to establish who it primarily affects the disabled community. And just to reiterate, again, I'm focusing on physical disabilities in this episode, mainly for timing reasons. And also, I plan on doing another episode on mental disabilities and others just to avoid stuffing it all into one episode. So quick fact, as many as 1 billion people worldwide experience some form of disability, according to the World Bank. Moreover, the disabled community is a large one, composed of a variety of people with a large range of conditions, which can affect people in different ways. Meaning, the effects of certain disabilities can be subjective, affecting each individual in different ways depending on severity, as well as other factors. According to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, also known as the CDC, a disability is any condition of the body or mind impairment that makes it more difficult for the person with the condition to do certain activities, activity limitation, and interact with the world around them, participation restrictions. So physical disabilities can affect bodily functions such as moving, vision, hearing, just to name a few examples. 
And these disorders can be present at birth and cause complications later on through disorders of single genes, which are responsible for muscular dystrophy, for example, or perhaps through chromosomes, for example, with Down syndrome. Based on information from the World Health Organization, disability has three dimensions. First, there's impairment in a person's body structure or function, which can include the loss of a limb, loss of vision, or memory loss. Next is activity limitation, such as difficulty seeing, hearing, walking, etc. This is pretty self-explanatory, so I'm not going to spend too much time explaining this one. And the last dimension pertains to the point I mentioned earlier, a lack of inclusivity. These participation restrictions can occur in daily activities, such as walking, engaging in social and recreational activities, and obtaining health care. This is in fact a result of ableism, which I can elaborate on now that I've established who it primarily affects. Ableism can be defined as the discrimination of and social prejudice against people with disabilities based on the belief that typical abilities are superior. Essentially, this characterizes people with disabilities as vulnerable, in need of pity, a helpless population, etc. This all ties into them being viewed as less than. And this consists of broad generalizations made of people with disabilities rooted in stereotypes that were created. And this is a notion that manifests itself into the disregard of disabled people when it comes to public infrastructure. In this scenario, many public officials fail to take the lifestyles of disabled people into consideration. Some examples include the common assumption held that people with disabilities want to be fixed. Fixed in air quotation marks, because that is not an okay ideal. Next, there is the mocking of those with disabilities. First, there is the r and its normalization. The arsler, which I'm pretty sure a lot of people are familiar with, I'm obviously not going to say it, it was introduced as a medical term in 1961 for people with intellectual disabilities, but it is now transformed into a commonly used insult. This just perpetuates exclusion and discrimination faced in society by people with disabilities. And this is a topic that I think it's really important that I emphasize given the context surrounding it. The Americans with Disabilities Act, for example, or the ADA, was a civil rights law that prohibited discrimination based on disabilities. This was only passed, or enacted, should I say, in 1990, meaning the federal government itself didn't officially act on or make efforts to combat discrimination that many people with disabilities have faced in the past and that they continue to face today, until 1990, which is relatively recent for progress in this concept within this issue to be made. And this ties into the RSER because it just shows how little protection has been made, how little people with disabilities have been protected in the social lens, given that people still use this, this word today, this slur. And it's something that I've never ever seen in my life. That's not in any way a flex. It's kind of the bare minimum. But growing up, I'm only 16. So given that it's something that I've even seen being used, it's something that's been popularized, shows that there's still significant progress that's yet to be made in terms of protecting the disabled community, socially speaking. Moreover, this just perpetuates exclusion and in a way normalizes discrimination that a lot of people with disabilities have faced and continue to face in society. Moving on, a major issue posed by ableism is a lack of accessibility. Given that ableism relates to the belief that a fully functional body and mind are the norm for a human being, it establishes a quote-unquote norm, one which those without disabilities can associate themselves with, leading disabled people to face an inconvenience. To start, there are public spaces. This one is primarily due to ableism because most of these areas were built before the idea of equal rights for people with disabilities emerged, or before it was viewed as an important concern by the general public. 
So we can see this in the sense that many public officials fail to incorporate accessibility into building design plans. A common example of this is the lack of ramps within the majority of public buildings. Buildings that offer stairs and solely stairs without offering alternatives like ramps and elevators as well limit the levels that those with mobility disabilities can reach. So this ties into the third dimension of disability as defined by the World Health Organization, which I mentioned earlier in this episode, which relates to the restriction of participation for people with disabilities as inclusivity and the lack thereof limits what they're able to do in social settings in daily life. Not to mention, many buildings do not have braille on their signs, although I've seen many that do, Not all of them have that, and that's a really important thing for people who have vision impairments. And it's important to keep in mind in situations like this, with the lack of braille and elevator buttons, that most architecture was designed without the consideration of individuals with disabilities. So ableism in architecture is yet again a whole nother topic that I could talk about another day, but it really just shows you just how deep ableism goes in society and in public infrastructure as well. And another example that is pretty common is transportation. Only a third of New York City subways are accessible to wheelchair users and people who are unable to use the stairs. Statistics like these truly showcase the unfair disadvantage at which people with disabilities, not just in New York City but throughout the country, are subject to, due to the lack of accessibility in public infrastructure. And many cities' refusal to provide reasonable accommodations for the disabled community only amplifies this issue. But fortunately, the topic of ableism and the challenges it poses to the disabled community is gaining prevalence. A point I discussed previously was convenience and the lack thereof when it comes to products not designed for people who happen to have disabilities. For example, the standard shoe with laces. It's not something that I have ever thought about in depth. I usually just throw on my shoes, tie them pretty quickly, and run out the door. If they untie during the day, typically like at school, like a year ago before COVID, I would quickly tie them and resume a sense of normalcy. However, this is the opposite of the case for people with certain disabilities. Not every disabled individual, but some do have issues with laces. This has led Nike to create the Fly East shoe. A new design without laces, this can be put on hands-free. According to the World Economic Forum, that's particularly welcome news to the millions of people for whom the tying of shoelaces is an intractable problem. For people living with a range of conditions, from autism to dyspraxia, cerebral palsy to hemiplegia, and many more, Tying shoelaces can often mean getting help from someone. This new product was inspired by Matthew Walzer, an individual with cerebral palsy who sent a message to Nike in 2012. A then 16-year-old, a part of the message reads, My dream is to go to the college of my choice without having to worry about someone coming to tie my shoes every day. I've worn Nike basketball shoes all my life. I can only wear this type of shoe because I need ankle support to walk. At 16 years old, I am able to completely dress myself, but my parents still have to tie my shoes. As a teenager who is striving to become totally self-sufficient, I find this extremely frustrating and, at times, embarrassing. So to read directly from the Nike website, Nike Fly Ease creates shoes that are quick and easy to get into, and more hands-free. The easy entry designs expand access and unlock benefits for all athletes. From Pinnacle Fly Ease innovations to the wide selection of easy on and off footwear, you can do more of what matters most, play. And I think this represents a lot more than just sports or a lot more than a new shoe, a new fashion product. It means that people with disabilities who aren't able to put on shoes as conveniently as people without them are able to have a product for them, a product that was designed specifically to make it more accessible. And Nike isn't the only big name brand that has taken the initiative to make at least a fraction of their products more accessible to the disabled community. 
Tommy Hilfiger recently launched a new line within their brand. The Tommy Adaptive brand introduced clothing designed specifically to make getting dressed more convenient and comfortable for those with disabilities that affect their level of mobility. So as I mentioned before, I just want to reiterate, the introductions of products like the Nike Fly East shoes and the Tommy Adaptive brand, just to name a few, represent more than just a new product, a new shoe, a new piece of clothing. They represent the fact that more and more brands are making inclusive clothing a priority of theirs, helping to combat ableism through promoting convenience and inclusion for those who have disabilities. And another aspect of these new products and their release that I wanted to discuss seems a bit unconventional, but it's the actual look of them, their aesthetic, the physical look of these products. It's really important to note that, at least personally speaking, or even just by looking at all the positive feedback and reviews that these products and brands are getting, it brings me to the fact that these products aren't ugly. Like, these clothing, these pieces of clothing that are being released that are adapted by Tommy Hilfiger and the Nike Fly Yeez hands-free shoes, they're not ugly. They're pretty aesthetically pleasing. And that seems like superficial, like that's not important. It's about inclusivity and I completely agree. However, something that comes that is commonly associated with people with disabilities when it comes to the products that are made specifically for them is an unconventional look. They're not something that anybody would wear if they didn't have a disability. They're ugly and Stuff like that, as minor as it seems, they just tend to alienate members of the disabled community from the quote-unquote norm. And that is why I really love the design of the Nike Fly issue, for example, the hands-free version. It's something that I would wear. It's something that's it's something that a lot of people like, and it looks cool, it's aesthetically pleasing, and just that one detail leads me to believe that Nike is making an effort, that Tommy Hilfiger is making an effort to not try and alienate people with disabilities from the rest of the population because they are normal human beings just like everyone else and they deserve things that don't look weird which is a characteristic that a lot of people assign to products made for those specifically with physical disabilities unfortunately and this conversation this topic of more and more companies starting to include inclusivity in their brands it really leads me to think are companies and big brands being inclusive to partake in a newly recognized topic so are companies doing this because it's trending or are they doing it because of their genuine care and regard for people in the disabled community? Given that Nike was inspired to create this shoe a while ago, like almost 10 years ago in 2012, I don't think this situation specifically relates to them, in my opinion. So moreover, though, when topics gain traction, they become more widely recognized. Companies are able to notice them and help. So in a way, these trending topics, topics beginning to trend, allow for companies to recognize an issue, allowing them to make an effort to help. So in this situation, I think that the increasing prevalence of ableism and the inconveniences that those with disabilities may face as a result of it is leading many companies in the fashion industry, for example, to make inclusivity a priority, which is ultimately a beneficial thing for the disabled community. So in a way, Topics beginning to trend allows for bigger brands to be able to notice that, recognize that, and utilize it to the affected community's advantage, which is ultimately a good thing for these specific populations. All in all, ableism is pervasive and it primarily targets the disabled community, causing discrimination and ultimately inaccessibility. But with the rise of efforts being made by companies like Nike and Tommy Hilfiger, among others, being made to combat this societal practice, the future is looking pretty hopeful. And although there's still more progress to be made to make life more convenient for those with disabilities, 
This represents a step in the right direction, no matter how small or how minor. But as it's important for me to offer some kind of solution or alternative to this issue, I wanted to end this episode with a quote from Steve Slawinski, who is the National Inclusion Manager and IT Quality Administrator of the Partners for Youth with Disabilities organization. Instead, we need to recognize that for many people with disabilities, they are not disabled by anything intrinsic to who they are, but by the environments they are in. And we all have the ability to create a more inclusive environment through our actions and words that empower people with disabilities rather than disempower them. Meaning, to reduce somebody that has a disability to their disability only, you're viewing them as less than a human being, a notion that is perpetuated by ableism and that we can combat by learning to be more inclusive. With that being said, I was really able to gain a deeper understanding of this topic through being able to research it and talk about it on the show. And I hope that through this episode, you were able to as well. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you next Friday here on A Little Perspective. (laughs) 